I took some heroin. <laughs> I did it in California. <laughs> then I might have had some sex while I was on drugs <laughs> in California. <laughs> Actually, what a place to hide. I mean, say you were a spy, an undercover man, somebody on the run. What better place to disappear? What a cover, a lead singer in a rock and roll band. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast which we talk all about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour. So joining me once again are my friends, <laughs> Adam Buncher. Hi, friend. Andrew McDonald. Hey, friend. And Nathan fucking Harrison. My friends. My uh-huh. friend. Hole should really cover that. <laughs> And how? Well, we're we're here now. We might as well get right into it. At number 20, this is Red Hot Chili Peppers with my friends. Top 20. Woo! My friends are so depressed. I feel a question of your loneliness. And I could be on your side. Peppers at number 20 in the 1995 Hottest 100. That was a song called My My Friends. (laughs) Adam, have you been hurt by the cold? I love that line. I mean, you brought it up as the first thing. I think that's a really, really great line because it's kind of like, it's putting it back onto the world, man. It's like saying like, just because things are the way they are, my friends got hurt. And that's kind of really where the position of the song is sitting. Yeah, true. And there's such a change from the last song we talked about for the Red Hot Chili Peppers Aeroplane, which to me was a real denial of pain. It was just like, or at least a subversion of the pain or a sublimation of the pain. Here it's just a beautiful, quiet sigh of a song where Kiedis is saying like, listen, man, like there's no subtext. It's like, my friends are so depressed. That's what the song's about. It's about having your friends that are so depressed 
who got hurt just by the way the world is because it's harsh and sometimes being around is painful when you end up in these situations where you do get hurt and feeling a genuine connection to those people that you love and feeling no other way to express it than just by singing the words, I love all of you. Because it's so straightforward and so open and so honest and honestly so loving in its message, I really, I think it's quite great. It helps that it's also one of the most wonderfully crafted pop ballads, you know, of the 90s and certainly of the Red Hot Chili Peppers career, I would argue. Like, it's just, the the vocal melodies are fantastic. The kind of, like, arpeggiated chord um, kind of main riff that sustains most of the song is something that Chili Peppers do really, really well. I mean, it's a very similar kind of shtick to what they play with on one of their other singles being Californication. Like... It's kind of a, a very, very similar sounding song. And... Perhaps I'm a little bit biased because as a young guitarist, it's definitely something that I, you know, got my chops up on. And I, but I honestly think that that is a, if I, once I've said that, I believe that there are people listening who have gone like, hey, dude, me too. Like, there's a, I think there's a whole generation of people who were in high school at the same time as me and picked up the guitar who, you know, who cut their, their fingers on Red Hot Chili Peppers licks. So, I mean, I have a fair amount of fondness nostalgically for that, but going back and listening to it, and attempting to listen to it from, you know, from this, from my position now with fresh ears, like I found a lot that I genuinely enjoy in this. I actually really like the, the way the kind of like the sigh of the song kicks into a bit of frustration and despair when it, when it kicks up a gear and turns into that solo, which I think is really nicely managed. Hey, maybe you guys are not on the same page with me in terms of, in terms of my, my quiet love Surprisingly, for, this, I am. for this track. Yeah, cool. Cool. I'm, I mean, I'm glad to hear that because I really think there's a lot of good stuff going on here and it's completely unsurprising to me that this remains um, the cut that has the greatest longevity out of anything in the one hot minute um, era. It's, it's the least Navarro as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's totally Frusciante yeah, impression. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. the thing... Who's one of the friends, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> who's, no, who's pretty depressed at this oh, time. Oh, dude, too right, too yeah. right. She just got fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got kicked out of some band. Better oh, write a song about it for him. my job. Yeah, fucking hell. Look... The reason I appreciate this song so much out of everything uh, from this era of the band is that, at the very fucking least, it is so honest with itself about the state of the fucking band. Everything else is just like, John who? California! I hate that Chili Pepper song. So overplayed. Oh my lord. But this seriously just sounds like everyone is sitting around in a, the middle of a fucking share house that fucking 17 people are living in so they can afford to stay there. <laughs> everyone is flat broke. There's no food in their house. Like, all the heroin's gone. All the beer's gone. Everything's, like, the house is practically empty except for one fucking acoustic guitar. It's slightly out of tune, but fucking Navarro, shirtless as always, mostly because he had to sell all of his shirts to pay for the heroin, is sitting around just just like, welp. And then fucking just despondently, everyone in the room starts singing along as well. 
Like, it's just like, yeah. yeah, we're gonna be okay. Like, we're fucked. Like, we're completely <laughs> fucked. We were the biggest band in the world and we fucked everything up. But, you know, at least the fuck we have each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, so. It's their um their tiny dancer and almost famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. While yeah. the blade's going down. That's exactly totally, it. Totally. So, that that's the way I envision this song. And that's the reason I think this is a moment of redemption among uh, what Anthony Kiedis has. M- described on many occasions as being a pretty fucking troubled time being him and everyone in the band I don't know Andrew you've done heroin now what are your (laughs) nip that in the bud real quick I have not um um but have you nipped the bud (laughs) (laughs) very good woo Um, it's 420 uh, baby I've never like really been a fan of the kind of obligatory second or third single from the album is going to be the slow ballad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm. And this doesn't really change my mind, but it, I think it was a really nice song. It sounds the fact that it sounds more like what you'd say, like a classic Chili Peppers slow ballad song. Like it's like, uh, like road tripping and stuff. Like they're, they're acoustic numbers that they do on most albums and they yeah. do them quite well. And this is, uh, continues that. It's not a like a groundbreaking song. Uh, it, 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 the, it, the quiet sadness is quite, lovely to in a way like I, I enjoyed this song enough it's not something that i'll ever think to myself i really would love to hear that song again but like i enjoy it it's a a good enough slow chili peppers ballad um i certainly didn't get as much from the lyrics as you two seem to have but that's my own blase listening of a chili peppers song because i don't put that much credence in chili peppers but yeah this is a totally like everything about this works quite well it's pleasantly sad for what it is trying to achieve and yeah, like it's a, there's a, a nice loneliness and unhappiness mm. to it, which is comforting in, it, in its own way. I was surprised to because I wrote it off in my own way, but I was surprised to hear the like the message of unhappiness be so connecting and affecting. And that's very nice. Like I, I'm glad yeah. that you both got what you got out of it. Yeah, you know that thing where, like, you remember in 2006 when Will, Will Smith did Pursuit of Happiness? Yes. And a bunch of people, there was a big campaign for him to get the Oscar for that, and that was going to sort of transition him into being, like, a serious actor like Tracy Jordan in 30 Rock. Um, and he didn't get it, and then two years later he did Seven Pounds, mm. which was a much more, like, ham-fisted attempt at being as emotional as emotional as possible to win that Oscar and be that kind of actor. Mm. Um, I don't think this song is quite that bad, but I do think it's that at a certain level of emotion, it's such a like all in gamble that like either either it hits you or it doesn't, and then when it doesn't, it's just nothing. Okay. And it doesn't hit me, and so I just see, I just like, I feel like I just see the strings of this emotional ballad, and I just don't care. Right. Yeah, and and whatever, and like, and and that's not to like you know dismiss anyone having an emotional connection to that song. Like, mm. I'm not saying it's a bad song. It just like it doesn't get me, and because I feel like it's putting all its eggs in the basket of like this is this song, you know, yeah, like, right from the start. This is like hard on its sleeve emotions. This is all this song is gonna do. Because of that, like, if I just don't get it, I just don't get it at all, kind of thing. Like musically, it's it's a fine enough song. I just like, I just don't. I don't buy into the emotion of it. And then like little things, stuff like, you know, like the fact that like the, the video for it is, is meant to be very like um, kind of candid or whatever. And just very like stripped back them just doing this thing because it's like a very bare bones song of the emotion. But then it's just like, it, I still, I still see the construction in all of that. I don't know. It's annoying. I'm just being cynical and no, nah. but no, nah, yeah. it's valid. Like we've talked shit on chili peppers many, many times. And yeah. Like, 
Like we, I, we all have our reasons for doing that. Yeah. Like I, I get, I get how it's an emotional song, and I get how you connect to it, but I don't, and so it kind of just uh, passes me by. Sure. Mm. I mean, I guess I see it as being pretty organic, but I, you know, like you pointing out the construction of it makes me think that perhaps I've just bought into it. But, well, but it, if if that's true, then I think the fiction is at least grounded enough. That's it. I, like I'm not trying to say that anyone who, yeah. who feels something when they listen to this is being duped in any way. But like any emotional song, there's a construction involved in. Like, totally, you know, they, they know what they're doing. Involved in the song... constructing of art. Like... Yeah, exactly. So like, it's just that thing when there's something emotional and it doesn't hit you, you start to see the strings, and you're like. Now, yeah. now it hits me like that's cer- that's certainly true. That yeah. that's happened for me in the past as well, where if if I'm not connecting to the emotion, I start to start to pick at threads. It's like, you know, like watching shitty reality TV and stuff, when you're not into it, you like all you can do is see like the music and you can all you can only imagine the producer in the booth being like, Yep, and zoom in on them crying yeah. and next shot of this. Um but this like it's not a terrible song. It's just not for me. Sure. I guess I'm drawn to the fact that like Feeling sad and, and feeling sadness on the behalf of others is is something it's it's not often expressed. Like personal sadness is expressed in songs. Yeah, maybe quite a lot. But you also like if, if you're talking about you know you like connecting to this song in high school. Like I I didn't have that, and I think potentially that would have changed things. But... I connected to it musically, but this is really the first time that I've sat yeah, down sure. and had a look at the lyrics, and especially the first time that I've had a look at the lyrics in relation to what was going on for the Chili Peppers at that time, mm. which I think is vitally important to the message of the song. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know. Maybe I just get heaps into that quiet kindness in in just in just like knowing that you can't really help but just and all you have to give is just you know the you the love yeah. um I, I don't know i just find that super lovely mm-hmm. so if it's constructed then i'm happy to to yeah. sit in that little house nice <laughs> I also don't have a shirt. I also sold my shirt. Not for heroin, but because <laughs> Dave Navarro needed, Didn't wear a, shirt. needed a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> my shirts probably don't fit Dave Selling Navarro. Selling shirts to Dave Navarro. Oh, yeah. He just, he just, just go up to him. Yeah, just like a crop top on him. Because he's a giant, oh, apparently. Yeah, How tall is Dave? I don't know. Taller than me. Hang on. Yeah. How tall is <laughs> yeah. classic YouTube? Classic Google. Okay, Google. Google. How tall is that? How tall is that? <laughs> yeah. uh, the Rock comes up first at one point nine three. One point seven five meters tall. He's the same height as me. What? You could share clothes. Got a girl. I say that. <laughs> I just... At number nineteen, this is Trippin' Daisy with. I got a girl. Thank you. I got a girl who lives with me I got a girl, she smells so sweetly I got a girl, she loves her dog I got a girl, I love her dog too I got a girl who stares in the mirror I got a girl who blames it on her period I got a girl, she is so right I got a girl, she's my
Flippin' Daisy in at number 19 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with the song... Got a girl! Thanks, mate. <laughs> okay. couldn't, couldn't have done it without you. Uh, okay, here's an interesting one. Uh, kind of a before they were famous for me. Uh, yeah, so... I'm uh, nodding. Adam, I'm nodding Adam, hardcore. What? Adam, what? Adam, yeah, do yeah. you not know? No. Do, I, do you know? No. Do tell! Okay, yeah, yeah. well, the lead singer of this band... Uh, is a man by the name of Tim DeLotta, uh, who, after this band split up, would get together with about 25 of his closest mates and form the Polyphonic Spree. Wow, fuck me. Yes. True story. He is the spray. Like he's, he's the lead singer. He's, yeah. the, lead he's the leader of the polyphonic That's so spray. Fucking hectic. He's the Whoa. head of the cult. Now yeah. that now that I'm looking at the video, I can fully fucking see it. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I know yeah, his yeah, face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wild stuff. So that was him. Yep. Yeah, true story. Man, that's uh, different. And he would then nine years after this get in the hottest one hundred again with the song Hold Me Now yeah. from oh. the uh, second polyphonic spray record. Yes, indeed. What a jam. Yeah. Wow. So I was Much huge, love. huge into the Polyphonic Spree's first two records in particular uh, in high school. Uh, so I was just like, oh, wonder what the story is here. I was just like, so this ba- this guy uh, used to be in a band called Tripping Days. I was just like, oh, I wonder if they're at all similar. No. I <laughs> know. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like... Uh, yeah, kind of doing the whole like uh, power pop, g- post grunge, yeah. Everclear kind of thing, and it's perfectly serviceable. Like it's catchy and it's cute, but like it's a world away from the polyphonic spree. There's no so similarity I, at all. Yeah, yeah, I know. Really, you... you don't think so? No. That chorus to me is is nothing oh, maybe. but the big, mm-hmm. the large yeah, communal yeah, sing along yeah, yeah. that that is the polyphonic spree. Yeah, even point. even the like the stressed for better or worse kind of indie manic indie vibe that the song yeah, is kind of yeah. going for, I think is is totally reminiscent of the spree as well. As soon as I heard it was from the spree, it changed the way I viewed the song. Yeah. Totally. Oh, by the way, another before they were famous. Um, because another there's another link to another band here. Yeah. Uh, another one of the members. Um. <laughs> Ben Curtis went yes. to join his brother Brandon Curtis in the band School of Seven Bells. That's correct. Huh. I don't know that band. They're a band. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. I know them from music. You know them from the sounds <laughs> that are pleasant. Spotify. Or not pleasant, they, um, depending on your taste. An album that was produced by Danger Mouse. If oh, memory serves. Really? That's what great. kind of do I? I don't like them. Do I? Uh, no, they're kind of not. space rock. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, oh. I, I, that's what they're referred to as progressive space rock in the, sure. in my notes here. Um, I don't heaps like them. Kind of, kind of lush. Yeah, okay. kind of lush, kind of sound. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. But yeah, like this, this song. is yeah, this is like it's cute and light and it's very silly and like there's some very very dumb lyrics in there, but uh, it makes sense contextually and yeah, you you pretty much forgive everything by the time that chorus kicks in. So like, uh, I was not expecting this to be up so high, but I can see the kind of appeal and I can see how people would have gotten behind this song and yeah, when this came on on the day, I can imagine mm. this would have been like, oh fuck yeah. Come on, boys, get around it. This would bang at a festival. Oh, That's the only thing I could think. It's like I, how amazing it would be to be specifically at a large festival with a bunch of people who were his behind it and knew the song and were just... Because the whole thing is just... It works better when you know the chorus is coming. The mm. whole song works so much better when you know the chorus is coming because, you know, like, the, then it makes, like, the... 
the progression through those silly lyrics or whatever, like so much more rewarding because you know that the payoff is on its way. And the riff, I think, is even this little like winky tease towards that huge communal effort that you're going to have, you know, every every couple of minutes or so. Um, just yeah, I I get down on it quite a bit. Like, and it it is mainly because of that chorus and viewing it in in reference mm. to what I just said. Um, and also like I kind of hate the fact that. I am such a fan of the spree that <laughs> the colors, I am kind yeah. of obliged. Everything the spree touches. But also it gave me an early Flaming Lips vibe, and that's yeah. not a bad connotation a to have bit. towards a song yeah. either. Particularly aesthetically, like Definitely. The, the way the band uh, present themselves in the video. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine like Wayne writing this song. Yeah, I just felt like if, if I had known this song at all growing up, this would 100% be on those sort of like 90s nostalgia playlists I have, this, I have the same notes yeah even yeah. stuff like I know it's like a bit later than that but like what's the deal by 28 days kind yeah. of like that kind of playlist but okay. because it's not I'm just like nah yeah, no, I'm kind of with you eh? yeah. yeah Um, it's so so like 90s MTV yeah like it's so like made for that kind of audience Um, the chorus is fun the chorus is fun like, but it's not enough to get me through yeah. the generic verses and holy shit it's too long like I reckon, yeah, yeah. It's like, only like four minutes. Yeah, four at, minutes. Why is it four minutes long? I like the two minute twenty mark when like it got a bit rougher. I'm like, oh great, it must be like the end of the crescendo of the song. I'm like, nope, we're well, only like halfway. halfway. Yeah, half time. Yeah, I thought it was way too long. Like having the after it gets busy towards the middle and then having to go back to the verse. It's like, dude, don't take me here. We've been here. Yeah, no, I don't want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No, yeah, I wasn't really down. It, it, it was all right. The chorus is fun, but not enough to get me through the verses, which were just so like middle. Yeah, they make you realize how good um, the verses of short skirt, long jacket are for being huh. like really interesting lyrics playing around the same sort of refrain. Yeah, true. Oh, that's kind of a nice comparison, actually. Like, yeah, good they, Like, they are really clever lyrics, and, like, each line mm. in the verses of those songs are like, ah, oh, that's really, really cool. I think these aren't trying to be clever, though. They're trying to be something. Yeah, they're just trying to be, like, it's, 90s it's, pop, that kind of... Yeah, like... Yeah, like yeah. But they're, they're deliberately dumb, and I kind of like how deliberately dumb they are, probably because of the way that they're put across. Like, I know I shouldn't get as much pleasure from dumb lines like, I like her dog too, or I like her girlfriends, but I kind of do. Mm-hmm. But those are the exception good lyrics, I think. Those two in particular are, like, the good ones, compared to, like, blame it on her period lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, they can't all be zingers, yeah? <laughs> Songwriting's hard. Songwriting is hard. And he gets better at it. Oh, yeah, totally, <laughs> yeah. totally. <laughs> you know, practice makes perfect. Next thing you know, hold me now. Guys, it's 420. Just it want is to put 420. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, it's not. It's he wouldn't lie about that. 11. <laughs> That's it. That's how we're ending that. Yeah. Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not 420. Shut up! <laughs> For the, the listeners at home. Well, Doesn't maybe it matter. is. Maybe it is. Yeah. Who are you to say when they're listening to it? Even, right, even a broken podcast is right. You've And number 18, she's back. It's Jill Sobule with I Kissed a Girl. I Kissed a Girl. Jenny came over and told me about Fred. He's such a hairy behemoth, she said. Dumb as a box of hammers, but he's such a handsome guy. And I opened up and I told her about Larry and yesterday how he asked me to marry. And I'm not giving him an answer yet. I think it can do better So we laughed Compared notes We had a drink We had a smoke She took off her overcoat I kissed a girl 
called home to say she'd be late. He said he worried, but now he feels safe. I'm glad you're with your girlfriend. Tell her hi for me. And then I looked at you, you had guilt in your eyes, but it only lasted a little while. And then I felt your hand above my knee. So Buell in at number 18 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with a song called I Kissed a Girl. Yes, we did just follow up uh, I Got a Girl with I Kissed a Girl. I believe this is serendipity at work. This actually happened when I was putting together my top 100 songs of 2015. Uh, so number 20 was a song called I Really Like You. And number 19 was a song called I Don't Think You Like Me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I didn't realize until I'd finished the list. I was nice. just like, oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> it works. It works on so many levels. Mm. Uh, and this kind of does too. Um, a similar uh, kind of very poppy vibe. You know, some very silly lyrics in there as well. But uh, I, I guess a lot more knowing than uh, uh, <laughs> Tim and co over at Tripping Daisy. This is a really, really cool one. I'm excited we get to talk about this. Because uh, when we talked about Supermodel, I brought this song up. Mm. And I didn't realize it would it would be with us so soon. So, yeah. uh, uh, Mac, you've kissed yeah. a girl. Thank you. Uh, how 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 were the cooties? You recovered? Yeah, I don't know. I probably found them funny, but I don't know. Yes, I've recovered, I've, I've recovered fine. I'm, it's in remission. You're, okay. you're, you're up to date on your yeah. shots. Yeah. So. yeah, this song's fucking charming as fuck. Like, like, Ain't like, it? Yeah. yeah. Like, I've known about it for a while, obviously. Like, it's fun. It doesn't wear out. It's welcome. Like, it's pop rock. But it's punctuated with like that fucking blues punk solo that comes in. I really like that. There's a bit, there's a bit of country to the verse. Con- like, yeah, total country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the guitar tone too. So yeah. twangy. She's having heaps of fun writing this, clearly. Lyrically, it's just a goddamn gem. It's quick just to bring up and then lampshade hanging plus off. Um, like the lyrics are a goddamn world better than like the male gaze performativity of the similarly equally titled Katy Perry song from 15, 20 years later. Um, this is like really wonderfully queer and I think I'm playing into the video with this as well but like having a like suburban housewife who's actually a lesbian yeah. like having it off with her neighbour just heaps fun and like just like queer for a queer audience not like Katy Perry's one um, and like also this is trying into my own personal bias and there's this idea that all personal actions are inherently political so like it won't change the world but i'm so glad i kissed a girl it's just fun and it's awesome yeah which the song is as well like the song isn't going to be like a revolutionary game-changing song it's just heaps fun for what it is i yeah i think this is a fucking delightful pop rock song i was really glad to come back to it and it's just so it's just so like clandestine and furtive and like yeah it's just so like sneaky all the lyrics she took off her overcoat come on just kind of you just kind of smirk along with her the whole way we've already talked about how good she is at sort of creating character worlds yeah, yeah, totally. Within a song. And this is just that in spades. It's mm. so good. It's so also, much fun. Also great in the video, her husband is Fabio. Fabio is oh, the beautiful yeah, man yeah, in the world. Yeah. Oh. I can't believe it's not bothering. So good. Yeah. Oh, what an impossibly beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not but fair. So it's, great. It's just, yeah, it's just so much fun. Musically, it's it's simple and fun and, and fast and just sort of rollicks through. But Jill, she's just great. It's The lyrics are yeah. just... It's just a gold mine to yeah. just be like, or, or each individual line is a line that you'd be like, "That's a great line." Yeah, that's a yeah. great line. Yeah, so uh, but good. especially the one for me, uh, she was just like kissing me. Yeah, like that's yeah. just that's just wonderful. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that's like you want from any relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> making out with yourself. Really? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't shave as often as I would like. <laughs> Neither.
It's such a shame that this was like her peak, like her commercial know, peak, you yeah. know, like having these two hits within the year. And then it's just like Dunsky's after that. Well, she's still kicking on as a muser. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she, like similar to Lisa Loeb, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about all the way back at number 100. <laughs> but the, the things that she's I doing, I don't feel like they die out in 1995. I feel like she should have still been relevant for a while at least yeah. and, and got a few more hits out. But mm. yeah, I don't know. But this is like this song. Like, there's only so much that you can say about it because it's just so much fun. It's yeah. just a joy, simple so, fun. Yeah. yeah, happy to hang out with this song whenever I like. You end it. up repeating what the song does. You just end up saying what the song does, which is perfectly yeah. evident by listening to the song. Like, yeah. it's it's one of those pieces yeah. where it's just kind yeah, of like it's, it's all there. A it's good really- a good review of the song is the song playing. Yeah, you know what? It kind of is. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Number seventeen. It's Regurgitator with Blubber Boy. aka The Gurge, in at number 17 uh, with Blubber Boy in the 1995 Hottest 100. Oh, fucking hell. The Gurge. The Gurge. The gurge. They've officially arrived. Uh, for those, uh, the weird young people that don't know what <laughs> we're talking about, Regurgitator are one of the most celebrated alternative rock bands in the history of this country. They uh, are one of those fascinating fringe bands that somehow at least temporarily became the biggest band in the country and had inescapable pop hits all over the radio despite doing everything within their power to be (laughs) the anti-pop band. They eventually got their wish and became completely unpopular again, like dropped completely off the face of the radar. But um, yeah, for a while there, they they were in the mainstream. They They were on the inside of that bubble. And I don't know how the fuck they did it, but it was fucking <laughs> genius to watch it all unfurl. There was no way they could uh, a band like that could ever do something like that again, in my opinion. Like it's so weird to ever see, you know, bands that exist on the fringe for so long kind of entering that level where they're, you know, walking red carpets and doing award <sighs> ceremonies and all that kind of shit. Like uh, there, there isn't such a degree of infiltration. As there was in the nineties, you yeah, know, like for a band who's yeah. one of their first hits was a lot of cock to get where I am. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like 
Ben's like the Gurge coming through, and Ben's like, yeah, Spider Bait, Spider Baits, yeah, yeah, and the Living End to yeah. a lesser extent. You know, this weird rockabilly band. You know, suddenly yeah. having this massive hit on their hands. Like Friends of Rom, a bit Friends later are, as Friends well. Friends of Rom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends of Rom appearing on What's Up Doc, the <laughs> the afternoon <laughs> Warner Brothers show. You know, like that shit couldn't happen again. Like I'm obviously not one of those. Oh, remember the '90s kind of fucking goateed fuckballs, but you know, <laughs> I do appreciate that. But there sometimes was... you got to remember the '90s. You really do. Um, <laughs> Uh, There's nothing no. wrong with looking back on an era and saying, like, it was good for these reasons. In much the same way you're going to do that about now. Yeah, you know? yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. To each I, time. I, I just find that fascinating. So, yeah, uh, we've come at a, a very interesting point uh, of uh, the Gurgis career. This is before their debut album, uh, Two Playing Drops. And uh, this is kind of our first taste of uh, what's to come and uh, many, many hits to follow. Uh I from the get go, this is a weird song. This is a song that's in six. It's in six eight, but it's played as a four four. So it's got this polyrhythmic kind of groove to it. For those that don't know, most songs that you listen to are in four four. So one two three four. One two three four. Whereas the riff in this song and the the everything else is in. Six eight, which is one two three four five six. One two three four five six. If you take that half, that's a waltz. One two three. One two three. One two three. One two three. But expanding it out into uh, six eight, uh, where the drums are in measures of two four. So one two one two one two. So three measures of two four in the six eight gives it this weird kind of polyrhythmic feel. So you've got that dynamic already. And then you've got Ben Eli and Quan Yeamans, who, uh, yeah, they've, they've worked off each other since the inception of Regurgitator. And they have this thing going on where, you know, they, they're both competent vocalists and they both share lead vocals across their records. And uh, when they come together, they have some really interesting harmonies and they, they know the ins and outs of one another's voices really well. Even at this stage, you know, like we're in that kind of early thrashy kind of garagey stage of what the band is, but you can already see the seeds of, of what's to come. Uh, it's kind of like when we're talking about Jamie's Got a Gal by UMI. It's just like, they're not fucking like UMI yet, you know, like letters on the marquee UMI yet, but we're, we're almost there. Right? So with with Blubber Boy, we're not at Regurgitator, you know, like up on the marquee, but you know, we're very, very close to that. You could their their name's written in chalk on the uh on the pub outside. It's just like <laughs> yeah. tonight, Regurgitator, eight bucks. Start at ten. Yeah. You know, that kind of deal, you know. They're they they're not uh and more theater, regurgitator, <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh in terms of the trajectory at the very least. So uh, But it's amazing how much of what they do well is still present in this song, I think. Yeah, yeah. For sure, mm. for sure. Like it's kind of like it's it's not quite as weird or funny as they become. Like yeah, when, but, but it's, it's like, there's something it's still, of it there. There's still yeah. something a bit odd. Like they even called Blubber Boy. Like, yeah, it's totally. funny and odd and like. It's, and the regurgitator have always got this weird kind of self-deprecating thing going totally on, do. and it's so interesting because they don't you don't really get that from many other bands, especially rock bands. And the the vibe I get from it is geeky, not only in terms of nerdy. But in a kind of sideshow geek sense of the word as well, yeah, like right. they're playing with that yeah. kind of mm. the spectacle of the weird, um, and and like I love that that is so readable in pretty much everything they do, no matter how subtle. I think it's subtle in this track, as yeah, you say, but it's still, but like, it's still there. But it's totally still there. Well, that's the thing, because like uh, so, like Brisbane in in the nineties, like having this huge underground music explosion, and like even just look to uh, Custard, who yeah, you know, sure. our theme Indeed. song from last season. Friend of the um, band. Friend, yeah. <laughs> friend us. We're the friend yeah. of the band. But there's like, there's so much stuff happening in Brisbane at the moment. So labels start to move in. 
And Warner Brothers, who who picked up Regurgitator, mm. were actually looking at Pangea, who was um, Ben Eli's other band. Mm. And oh. then while that was happening, they heard Regurgitator, and they're like, "No, we want Regurgitator." And I think you can kind of see why what, what straight a burn away for Pangea, right? guitarist or whatever, <laughs> for everyone other than Ben in Pangea. Did, did Pangea ever get picked up? They did all right. Okay. It's kind of like a metally punk band, whatever. Sure, don't care. Right. Um, <laughs> but like, even just from the first song, you can just feel in the attitude to the lyrics and the music that kind of mix of irreverence and irony and that self-deprecation. Like, and it's kind of quintessentially '90s Australian with bands like Friends or Rom as well. Like, and you can see why they can sort of stand out as a band that you would mm. pick up over. You know, in a scene of bands that are all sort of thriving. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. such a fun song. It's great. yeah, it's great. Yeah. I think these moments where we have the first entry for us into the show and into the Hottest 100 history for legendary, as you say, marquee bands of of the country like Regurgitator are so fucking special. So I just want to highlight this as a moment right now and just be like, fuck yeah, Gurja here. Can I call for a uh, Hottest 100 excursion for when they play the Metro next month? That'd be great. Shit, yeah. I'll be there. I'm not going to be here. I'll take your son along. Yeah. <laughs> it could be his first gig. Is it? Is it AA? Baby's first gig. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty good first gig. Totally yeah. right. This weird nineties legacy band. Yeah. Depends how old your son <laughs> your is. Your dad's friends and not your dad's. So <laughs> <true. laughs> like a kidnapping. Yeah. Bloody <laughs> hell. The suits have been pressed. The mustaches have been tweaked. We are back in business with the housewife's choice himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Graney and the Coral Snakes at number 16 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with Rock and Roll is Where I Hide. Oh, I should tell you about my power, about my mysterious king. I used to go about fully believing I was invisible The legendary invisible rock singer I would open my mouth and speak forth No blues, no news, just hey mate, yeah For a moment, I would materialize. Anyway, people started to talk, started to talk about this legendary, mysterious, loudmouth, invisible rock singer, cowboy. I began to cool. Dave Grady of the Coral Snakes at number 16 in the 1995 Hottest 100 with Rock and Roll is Where I Hide. Holy shit, he is Mm. back with a vengeance, bitches. Yeah. Oh man, I I just I I have too much fun with these. I wish I had some pop, <laughs> I wish I had some popcorn with me. I, think. <laughs> oh, I I'm just gonna let this fucker unfurl. Let like, let go. Just all right, do it. all right, all right. This song is. Woo! This for you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Woo! This song is boring, indulgent, too long, and uninteresting. Is what I thought until I made the effort, the Herculean effort. 
to look past my Dave Graney bias and hate and try and come to it with any sort of objectivity, I think this song is pretty great. Yes! Yeah. I'm, yes! I'm re- I feel like I deserve a what reward. A swag! Wow. I know, is I know. That, is Dave yelling over there not a, not rewarded? Look, yeah, look, it, I had to like it was it was a thing, to, but I'm so glad How, I did. Show your working, sir. Okay, look, <laughs> yeah, show, show the proof. So like I don't it, it's not like my favorite ever song or whatever, and it certainly oh, doesn't change my mind about Dave Graney and the Coral Snakes. That's fine. It, but I think it's actually really good for what it's doing. It's like, it's a solid blues riff that I agree doesn't go anywhere in particular, but that's not what's important. It's just setting up a, like a kind of cool foundation for the rest of the song for like, and that's just Grain's crooning, <laughs> calling Grain, Grain's crooning <laughs> about this wonderful story about being invisible, so doing whatever you want, and then becoming weirdly famous for being invisible and the guy that can do whatever he wants. And then the paradox of continuing that performing, of acting like you're not being observed when you know you are. And that's amazing. It's such a cleverly written parable about fame and performance and irony. And his weird, almost was rock star persona is the perfect thing to carry this story across. His crooning fits it so well. And then when he hits lines like people began to come and see this invisible loudmouth rock singer cowboy, I think it all just clicks. I think this is actually a really good song. Wow, I really wish I could get there with you because I I listened to it three times, um, like I do most songs. Well done. Um, look, look I, yeah, again, a, still I know that that's, that's fifteen a, minutes of your life. Yeah, well, it's even more yeah. than that because they, 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 how long is it? Six something? Like early on, you grasp that idea of the juxtaposition of being seen and invisible, kind of thing like that. And I'm like, you know what? He could do something with this that could be an interesting parable, kind of thing like that. But I really didn't feel it. I I just felt the indulgence. I just felt him. Six minutes of someone saying, "I'm not seen, but I can see. I'm a rock and roll singer." Like I have a cowboy hat. Like it's just sitting with him <laughs> saying that in different ways. Like it's pretty much exactly like because again, I, di- I didn't want to go in there with too much prejudice because it's never good. I, no one wants to hate things. Like if, if this song, really, <laughs> well, if this, I don't know that that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's that, true. But like, no, like, but like, a sensible yeah. person shouldn't go in wanting to hate something. Like it's like if this was a great song, of course I want it to be a great song because I want to feel happiness in my life. Like, but like, so I went in there expecting, but hoping and like. It's exactly what you're expect. What I was expecting by Dave Grady and the Coral Snakes, a song called "Rock and Roll Is Where I Hide." Like it's exactly what I was expecting. For the spoken word to be so mundane and rote, I think the music does it sh- is too uninteresting as well. One of them had to be better than the other. Like the fact that it's just the, that one guitar lick, there could be a loop. Like it, no, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's just uninspired cock in hand. Not in the way that it's generic, because it's not. Not songs don't really sound like this, and that turns out for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I wish I could get there with you. I, yeah. I can't. No, I'm I, the, I know Adam's not there. I think Adam, I think Adam's with me. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. Not in rock and roll hiding. Look, oh. you and I know you being the collective you at present here, the royal you, and also you <laughs> listening. If you've gone through earlier seasons of this particular podcast, know that. I would probably class Dave Graney as my nemesis for for the show thus far. We've got some serious history, and so I was just wait. Which he is doesn't why know I, you. Yeah, he doesn't know you. <laughs> oh, he, he will. will. <laughs> he will know my name. He will know your name. So I was looking at this coming up with that sense of I don't know, half dread, but half you know, 
exactly what you were talking about, Andrew, but in the opposite. Like, just, oh, I can't wait to hate the shit out of this. I can't wait to feel that righteous anger that I felt back in the good old glory days of this podcast yes. when we were talking about fucking Night of the fucking Thylacine or whatever oh. the shit. Wolverine. <laughs> whatever. Oh. It's fine. I wish it was Thylacine. <laughs> that would be way better. And then this came on, and honestly, I didn't, like... I was too perplexed by the goddamn thing. Like I I think I think like you Nathan like I had a sense that there was something going on and it it just annoyed me that I didn't know what it was. Like I didn't do the working. I just got to why what are you doing? What are you saying? Why are you saying these words? What does this mean? Fuck you. I'm done. And that's and that's and that's where I left it. Huh. Um because in the end it, it it was just kind of this indecipherable kind of mess and I know that he deliberately kind of phrases things ridiculously with saying, you know, I can be seen, but I can't be seen. And now you see. You sound like Bob Dylan Dylan doing Dave Graney. (laughs) (laughs) How does it feel? Felt pretty bad. (laughs) Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. (laughs) I see what you did there. Not grained. (laughs) (laughs) Not grained, Dave. Very grain, though. And I was just, yeah. (laughs) Against the grain. Against the grain. That's where we'll all stay. Yeah. Yeah. Bad well, not line. all of us. Yeah, yeah. We've got just, a convert yeah. No, no, no. There's been no wallalo from the Grain. <laughs> <laughs> extremely deaf Granny voice. Whoa. I actually think it's an interesting parable about blah, blah, blah. Wallalo. Wallalo. I'm visiting. I'm not here to stay. You're all good. But you know, you know what, man? I'm really glad that you got there. I I like because what you say I because I don't like Dave Graney but I like Nathan Harrison and I like Nathan Harrison's approach to things and I, I like fucking hate Nathan you... Harrison but I love Dave Graney. <laughs> I make you love me. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! So I think I think maybe you've you've been, I mean I'm not converted even slightly That's like I, he, I still view him as my ne- nemesis yeah, basically. Yeah. Him and his oh, I think, like I said I'm not I'm this doesn't make me into him but I. I actually really like this song. And I think, like, what I know of him as an artist, that kind of parable about the the seen, unseen person is very much yeah. about him mm, yeah. being this artist that is completely unknown so can do what he wants and then gets kind of famous for being able to do whatever he wants. And it's like, well, do I keep performing that even though I know that it's not legitimate anymore? You know, maybe I can just play with that and still, you know, what? It, but, like, I, I, I think that's cool. I think I think there's a lot going on. I agree. Pretty convoluted. Hey. It's still it's still a convoluted. You reckon? I don't yeah. think it's I, I still think it's like the way he puts it across, it's like even if you get it, I still think it's possible to get it and be like, dude, what are you? Nah, man, I think it's pretty straight up. Nah, no. I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked to have him back as always. I find him one of the most endlessly fascinating creatures. And the fact that he is still going and still peddling his wares country to country, state to state. I, I, I am enamored by that and continually fascinated by the fact that he does not give a fuck. And this is a, this is six minutes of him not giving a fuck. How much does he not give a fuck? He made a six-minute song about not giving a fuck. It's great. It's interesting. It's, it's bizarre. And I love that it, people got behind it. Year by year, people have been getting more and more behind it to it's the true. point where it's undeniable. It's as, what, number 16? As Nathan Harrison has testified to. The grain is growing. You can't oh God, stop am I the next? grain. Is this, is this, is this yeah, already started man. in me? <laughs> next well, time we talk your... about Dave Graney, Mac's going to be on board, and then it's you, it's motherfucker. It's slow creeping, yeah. Wallaloo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just 
just like a whoa. Because we're all we're all priests. Yeah. Once, so we do the conversion uh, once we get converted. Oh one. Yeah. Once you buy the expansion I really hope edition. people get the Age of Empires joke. Otherwise, it's like woo. <laughs> oh yeah. This is this is oh, going yeah, over. It's an AOE one. If you don't get these references. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Looking yeah. forward to making some low Dave Groney pictures. <laughs> oh <though>. my god. <laughs> but yeah, I think Dave is a bizarre and fascinating human that makes bizarre and fascinating music and this song is no exception it kind of slowly burns and then it flickers and fades off into the distance and everything in between is entirely up to the consumer you can love it you can hate it you can just be completely hit for six by it which is completely fair and it just, yeah, continues to develop into this spiral of fucking weirdness. And I love that for it. So, yeah, the extent of my grain is extending further <laughs> and further and oh. further. And there is nothing that any of you fucking ingrates can do about it. You know what? The sooner we stop talking about this, the sooner we can get to next episode and talk about Jeff Buckley. And that I do understand. <laughs> so let's, let's leave it there. Oh. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to FBI once again for having us. Before we get out of here, it's time to nominate our favorites and our least favorites. Uh, favorite this week, uh, I reckon I'm going to go with Blubber Boy by Regurgitator. And least favorite... This is a tough one, because I kind of like all these songs, but... Mm, Maybe, maybe Tripping Daisy. Mac, what do you reckon? My favourite also, Blubber Boy, and my least favourite, uh, Dave Graney. Yeah, true. My least favourite is Tripping Daisy, and I was really excited that I could maybe pick Dave Graney as my favourite to oh, show like, that would have been a oh, crazy character growth, but I'm going to go with Blubber Boy. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm siding with Mac on this one. Blubber Boy is my favourite, and Dave Graney, my least favourite. Dank. Woo! Yeah. All right. Well, fucking hell, we are close. We're about to hit number 15, people. Yeah. Shit is about to get real. We're going to take a, a quick break and uh, just get our heads in the game before we uh, power on through to that very, very heated spot of the Hottest 100. Uh, we've got to get the right gear and everything, like uh, thermal wear and etc. So, uh, yeah, just uh, just give us a mm. week. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be back at it very, very soon. Training hard between yeah, now and Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's it. All right, I'm going to go uh, sculpt my guns. Uh, Nathan's going to do some push-ups and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah, just imagine a training montage about right about here. Yeah, yeah that's what we're preparing mm. for. All right, well, on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Wallalo. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Wallalo. And on behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my name is David James Young. Keep music, Age of Empires, Expansion Edition, motherfucker! I'm not seen. But I can see. I am seen. I am a rock and roll singer. I have a hat. I have a hat. I have a cowboy hat. I have a 10 gallon cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should tell you. <laughs>